this one's for the Vietnamese, the Cambodians, the Laotians, the Chileans, and uh, and also the people who uh, I probably shouldn't uh, claim support for, or else I will break some law society rules uh, in 2023. But I'm gonna crack this open. You ready? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Woo! I don't know if anyone Rest can hear this. Eat shit, bozo. I, I don't have champagne, but I, I do have carbonated alcohol. So we're we're, we're pouring made, one out. I already made a cocktail, but a I opened up one. one of those cranberry uh, ginger ale Canada dries uh, that are so fucking good. But ladies and gentlemen, you already know, Henry Kissinger, got we got him. Now, I came home and I saw a text. Somebody texted me saying that he died. And uh, honestly, like end of the day, it's dark outside. I'm just kind of tired, gloomy. Yeah. And I was like, the initial feeling was like, ah, well, I thought this would have felt better. And then I opened up Twitter, which usually leads to feeling worse. And like, ah, this is yeah. com- this is this is community. It truly you know? is. <laughs> seeing seeing everybody you love share and embrace the death of one of the most evil people, even if we can talk at length. Which I won't about how we wish he died differently. Sure. But he's dead and let people enjoy things. We need, <laughs> we, we, need, we need to celebrate the good moments. That is you the need... best usage of that I've ever heard. <laughs> Normally I'm the to... first person to be like, shut up when shut someone says up. that. But it's like, yes, yeah. let people enjoy things. It's true. A oh, hundred it, though. It, that's insane. I mean, I, I let's not dwell on fucking that. Nuts. It's it's okay. Uh, this year, I think you saying that he's hundred. He had his hundredth birthday bash at fucking the Met or whatever. Sure. And somebody from New York Magazine like snuck in and said, "I tried to cover uh, this event where all these people came to his birthday party." And uh, Norman Funkelstein, well before he became famous once again, right? For for being complex but hilarious figure containing um, multitudes containing multitudes a lot of them extremely extremely good uh he he said the case for mass shootings is made <laughs> in this article <laughs> uh <laughs> this is, wow. the, yeah this this is the greatest case uh put That's forward so funny. For mass shooting. <laughs> did you did you see what i said I just saw it. Oh, okay, just say, yeah. say it. Just say it. Say it. Say it. Uh, here. I here. I'll. I'll. I want to get the phrasing right because I. I. It was good. Um. Oh yeah. I said. Uh. I want to take this time to remind everyone that Henry Kissinger was a human being, <laughs> like anyone else, with friends and family who are mourning him today, and it's a shame that they didn't all die too. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, fantastic. did you see the? Did you see the Gore Vidal? Oh uh, no! Okay, that one is really funny. We're gonna do half an hour of what? Did you see this one? A thousand Let's percent. Do it. Yeah, do it. Uh, okay, so we're gonna do uh, the like Sportsnet uh, top five, uh, <laughs> right? Like um, yeah. the the Sportsnet top five uh, uh, tweets about Henry Kissinger dying. Uh, this is from Corey Robin, um, and apparently this is true. This is not a popular great writer. Uh, in the Sistian Chapel, Gore Vidal once came upon Henry Kissinger gazing thoughtfully at the hell section of Michelangelo's <laughs> Last Judgment. Look, said Vidal to a friend, he's apartment hunting. 
Gore Man. Vidal, by the way, so he's, funny for those. He's very, he's very funny. Do I you know the, the Norman of... Mailer story? Uh, no. That's a Tell favorite me. of mine. I can't remember. He's like backstage. The two of them were both on the same like TV show. I can't remember what show it was. Could have been all kinds of things. I'm going to um, guess the Dick Cavett show. That that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and uh, they got in this huge uh, like shouting match about something. And then Norman Mailer just like punched Gore Vidal in the face so hard that he fell down. And from the floor, he said, words fail Norman again, uh, which is so funny. <laughs> it's like the only way to get punched in the face and, and like fall down. <laughs> yeah. And then and then like see or it win. be cool. Uh, yeah, Gore Vidal was awesome. Um, All right. Now, this is real. We mentioned Gore Vidal and Dick Cavett. We're, yeah. uh, we're getting too deep in the 60s here, the 70s here. Yes. Uh, yeah, Let's, there were some uh, good what, ones what here. Else, what else did I see? Uh, you know what? Is it worth reading the, the Bourdain thing? Uh, um, the Bourdain one's a classic. I mean, the... I'll read it. I'll read it right now. Yeah, so sure. Bourdain, Bourdain has this quote. I forget which book it's in, but... Once you've been to Cambodia, you'll never stop wanting to beat Henry Kissinger to death with your bare hands. You will never, oh, it's the story, so it keeps closing. You'll never yeah, right. again be able to open a newspaper and read about that treacherous, prevaricating, murderous scumbag sitting down for a nice chat with Charlie Rose or <laughs> attending some black tie affair for a new glossy magazine without choking. Witness what Henry did in Cambodia, the fruits of his genius for statesmanship. And you'll never understand why he's not sitting in the dock at The Hague next to Milosevic. While Henry continues to nibble nori rolls and ramaki at A-list parties, Cambodia, the neutral nation he secretly and illegally bombed, invaded, undermined, and then threw to the dogs, is still trying to raise itself up on its one remaining leg. He really, uh, wow. the first sentence really does all the work there, though. Once it you does, get to Cambodia, but... you never want to stop punching, <laughs> yeah. beating Henry Kissinger to death with your bare hands. God That's bless. good. Um... Yeah, it's funny, too, because I was just reading about the Phoenix Project yesterday, which I did not know about. Um, I uh, I read one of those uh, like one of those tweets. It's like the worst tweet for me. <laughs> Sorry, to read. I just saw one that said, damn, oh, yeah. always test your coke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's good. Um, no, yeah. I, uh, you know, those tweets are where someone like takes the like uh, this girl gives you this look or whatever. What do you say? And then someone takes that and like and is like. Um, uh, you know, like, like this, I, uh, this one was like, you know, Google, like, and then just like all these conspiracy theory, like terms. Oh basically. yeah. Uh, does Jake from Penn, Pendale at the time. Yeah. 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 yeah right. It's okay. A yeah. One. Um, and, uh, and one of them was, uh, was the Phoenix project, which I had not heard about. And so it's, it's interesting that, uh, that, you know, some interesting serendipity that I gained, uh, a, a, a new reason to hate Henry Kissinger. Um, which is, uh, I didn't think I could. There could be any more, but apparently, uh, there are. Um, there's one other. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> please bleep this, Justin. Uh, <laughs> yes, twice. Uh, messaged the group chat today, um, and said, uh, "I toasted to Henry Kissinger's death at dinner, and my dad cheers me and praised him for a life well lived." And I said, "No, I'm literally toasting his death." <laughs> Uh, the apple how far does it fall from the tree apparently apparently quite far in this case apparently, uh, yeah quite far funny. but 
but in maybe not in other ways. That's fine. Um, <laughs> oh, that's, that's no, good, amazing. Good guy. He's a good guy. I, um, I'm, I'm on the outside. You're, you're, spot. yeah, you're, you're busting balls. I'm busting um, balls. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I was, I was gonna lament that it had been so long since we recorded an episode, but clearly our timing is perfect. Um, because we wouldn't have gotten to do this otherwise. Because so. we just timed it right for Anthony Bovillier to be created before we. That's yeah, right. I don't, I don't care. No. Yeah. We'll, oh, well, we'll I mean, actually, that. I care. We will talk about yeah. that. There, there's interesting thoughts there. But uh, but yeah, uh, please read all the pieces about Henry Kissinger. Yeah. He was that like it's it feels like a meme now. Like, I think that's why my first reaction was like, oh, that meme happened in real life. Yeah, totally. Then I was like. Oh wait, no, no, no! This motherfucker helped kill at least six million people, and is directly responsible for the death of about four million people. Yeah, so totally. I got, I got reminded again that he was. I I thought like you know sometimes you're like oh this person's a mass murderer because they were the head of state of a state that committed something. Yeah, sure. And and yeah, they are responsible for it, but he is even more responsible than just that. In that the uh, Lyndon Johnson, right before he he ended his presidency, was about to secure a deal to end the U.S. war, a uh, U.S. invasion of Vietnam mm-hmm. in 1968 or nine, and Nixon or Kiss, Kissinger uh, was able to figure out a way to sabotage that deal. A lot more details to this I'm glossing over, sure. but he specifically was the person to figure out uh, that he could sabotage that deal, and so he did singularly. And making it so that the war went on and like public sentiment against Johnson continued to be bad and that Nixon could capitalize that. And so the war went on, Nixon becomes president and continues the war for another 78 years, leading to the additional death of 3 million Vietnamese, no, 3 million Cambodians and then other, I don't know the numbers. Just Cambodians. The war wasn't even supposed to be there. War wasn't there. Yeah. The bombs were though. They and... weren't even uh they weren't even supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And ridiculous. Then Laos, he was responsible for the coup and I the Chilean coup, the first nine eleven. Just like somebody who like I I I just memory hold the fact that he was directly responsible for that. Yeah. And that totally. Nixon could not have done that without him. And then they went ahead and did all that. And he authorized the Laotian and Cambodia. Like, holy fuck. I uh I my one of my first thoughts also was like probably died hap- like safe peacefully in his home. Get the fucking defibrillator and throw him in a Cambodian minefield. Like yes, yeah. Find one of those old uh traps uh that the Viet Cong set out where like your knee, your whole leg gets caught up in a thing of spikes and you look, get left to yeah. die. Like let him just people. Some people need you know uh um discipline. Do you know uh, who uh, who Jackson? Jackson. Oh, yeah. Somebody need a hurt real bad. <laughs> uh, do you know who uh, uh, Gigi Allen? Um, yeah. Is wait, yeah. is she the... sisters with Lily Allen? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, I guess the, uh, not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's really funny. I don't even have time to. No, Gigi Allen, like the the uh, the punk singer, um, infamous okay. for like pissing and shitting on stage. Um, no, I don't know. I don't know that. Okay, no. yeah. Uh so uh Gigi Allen very famously um just like uh, insanely fucked up 
uh, like crazy guy, essentially um, made some pretty decent records very early in his career and then just became like a complete um, provocateur in every sense of the word. Uh, and when he died, um, all of his like fans for for like 12 hours, just like posed for photos with his dead body or they're like drinking and like giving him like oh. shots of vodka or whatever. Um, they uh, should just send Henry Kissinger's body to Cambodia and let a bunch oh, of Cambodians sure. do that. Yeah, no, they should do every. They should. It, it should. They should just get seven minutes in heaven with his body. And uh, <laughs> like, but like seven minutes entire, in hell. You mean seven minutes in hell? And they should just have a. Uh, they should they just have the time of their lives, man. Like, okay, I'm gonna on uh, to close this out. I'm just I'm gonna send a post. To the group chat right now. Subscribe to us at patreon.com. So. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Justin, um, please make this the episode art for this episode. Uh, Are you texting him right now? I, I, I just messaged it to the group chat. Justin, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, it is a tweet with uh, the MLB watermark are on it that says henry kissinger eliminated from postseason contention <laughs> i saw that too speed agility power i'm a big fan of these things all of the performance i demand for myself on the ice is here handles all of my needs in dynamic fashion Yeah, so uh, I guess we should move on now and talk about. Uh, I th- there's really no, there's really no surpassing this, but uh, we have other stuff that we have to talk about. And I, I, uh, I guess we'll open up the show by uh, with our with a new with what is essentially a new segment now that I've decided to call uh, the scandal update slash report. Oh God! Uh, yeah, yeah. Always, we're we're uh, at this point. It seems like every uh episode starts with the scandal report uh so we may as well just make it a segment uh our traditional way of starting off every show um because it doesn't seem like it's gonna slow down uh before we get to the big one though uh i was curious if you had any thoughts about the mark andre flurry mask situation that unfolded like a few days ago now um did you catch any of that I did. He is a player who I never, I think just because like I, I grew to not like the penguins. They just seemed like, yeah, just that wasn't the protagonist team. That that felt like an antagonist team. Yeah. Uh, with how Crosby gets in there and they just keep winning cops immediately. And like, sure. You know, all the shit. Um, but my, so I never really had an opinion on, on Flurry, but man, my respect grew, grew for him. Yeah, like, totally. 40 fold that day. Um, no other thoughts besides like yeah this is just inevitable um i i think i i, I don't know who has a novel thought about this besides that that isn't just a regular critique of well this is obviously what the nhl is going to do they're going to yeah sure. themselves into shooting themselves in the foot and making it so the only time this league gets talked like i've talked to people at work about this like yeah not like 
I didn't volunteer it. People ask me about it or I hear them talking about it. Like totally in an office and just environments where people don't talk about hockey. This is what people are talking about when they're talking about hockey, when they're not, unless they're big hockey fans. Like this is what the league is known for now. And yeah. it just keeps happening, keeps happening. For anyone who missed this, um, it was, you know, earlier this week, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, basically the the Minnesota Wild um, received, like, I guess a message down from the league head office that uh, Marc-Andre Fleury wanted to wear a special mask for warm-up that uh, basically honored his wife's indigenous heritage, I think is the best way to put it. Um, I actually haven't seen the mask up close, so I can't even really describe what it looked like, but you know, cool thing to do. It was, uh, it, you know, they were, uh, having a, a night in Minnesota that, you know, pertained to honoring the indigenous community there, which is great. But of course, as we've well established by this point, um, NHL doesn't let you do that shit anymore. And so they sent down a message basically being like, you can't do that. And then Marc-Andre Fleury pulling a Travis Dermott and just being like, uh, I was going to do that anyways. And of course, the league did not do anything about it because they already look really stupid and um, they don't want to look any more stupid than they already do, I guess. Um, Good for him. Uh, I think that it is funny that they're just going to keep doing this. And I I was curious, Vias, kind of as somebody who... (laughs) Follows other sports certainly like more than I do. I kind of I really come and go with any sport that isn't hockey. Uh kind of depending mostly on like how either the Raptors, Blue Jays, or Mariners are doing. And mm. if none of those teams are doing well, then I just don't really pay attention yeah. or care. Um it seems like particularly for a league of this size and like, you know, what is perennially the the little brother of the uh the four north american sports the the uh stephen baldwin of american (laughs) sports um it seems like the nhl is just there's so much drama and like scandals in comparison to other sports that's what it seems like to me am i correct in that or is it just me or is it just like the messaging like the pr of the nhl is just so much worse than than the other leagues i I think all of it's true when it comes to it being more dramatic i don't know that it's more dramatic but on balance like the nba is more dramatic sure okay the the nba has more scandals that i think are worse maybe notwithstanding the the bigger like uh what happened what the Blackhawks did to Cal Beach. Sure, yeah. Uh, I don't think anything like... I don't know if that's happened in the NBA. Uh, I'm, I don't want to dig into yeah. that yet. But, sure, like you're not aware of but, Yeah. No, but on balance, like the NBA also has good, fun stuff that happens, whereas the NHL barely does. Yeah, okay, that's like, fair, yeah. Like the, like the best thing I've seen the NHL... Like good NHL stories that happen are that a player who wasn't doing well does well or that like yeah. a team is doing well. It's very rarely that... Uh, like we, we don't have many other things that people kind of cling on to mm-hmm. uh, or if they do, they're kind of doing it ironically. Sure. Um, um, like compared to the other leagues and the other sports, 
I don't know what it is that makes the NHL particularly bad at this, mm-hmm. at handling public expression. And one of the first things I thought of was like, hey, is it about the demographics? Like people talk about that often. Um, that is, it's mostly white 20 year olds, uh, Sorry. rather than it being a lot more mixed and a lot more black people. And, uh, I wonder like, what if golf, this thought just came up, to, came to my mind. What if golf was a team sport? <laughs> Would the same type of shit happen? Because yeah, like it kind of complicated, it gets complicated in my head. Cause like most pro golfers are above 30 years old, I think. But like mm-hmm. if all golfers were up to 35 and yeah. there were teams would the same kind of shit happen? Like yeah. would, would the, would the PGA or whatever clamp down on stuff and shoot themselves in the foot and kind of ruin their ability to actually grow the game beyond that core demographic? Yeah. And are the, is it the same kind of pretty much kind of the same types of people yeah, and that's that's my closest analog. Is like that's I feel a good like one, golf, actually. Yeah, golf like the country club mentality. I think is very similar to the way that hockey, like old hockey men who run the league, and not just who run the league, but who the league is worried about pissing off. It's weird. I think it might I feel just like be it's the same. It's similar. Golf and hockey have always been so closely connected to each other in my mind. Wait, I, I'm I, an idiot though. Baseball should be. Shouldn't baseball be similar enough? I mean, you'd think, but I think I okay, so go my on, no, theory go on, about go my theory about all of these things is that it basically goes back it go it's it's a it is a reflection of the like um basically like racial and class makeup of the sport, right? So like mm-hmm. the reason why you know, you'd think the MLB and the NFL should both be basically as bad as hockey, but I think they're prevented from being as bad because there's just like more inherent diversity. Like you're going to have a hard time pulling the MLB too far to the right when there's just like so many poor Latin American players, you know, and, like, and poor white players too and poor white players too sure i yeah, would assume but, that they have but, more poor you know, white players than, than the nhl has yes definitely right although we're gonna i'm i we're gonna get to uh a story at the end of the episode that i mean maybe poor is is stretching it but that kind of sure. bucks that trend but yeah i mean whereas whereas like golf it's the whitest richest sport and mm. like hockey's probably the second most white rich sport um, and, uh, but yeah, like they've, those two sports have always been super connected in my mind ever since I was a little kid. I think it's for, for like a couple, uh, reasons. The first is, uh, they were just the two sports that my dad watched the most. Um, they both use like a stick. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting like, somewhere, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, and then in addition to that, I mean, okay, I think Happy Gilmore connects the two sports in my mind as well. Fundamentally. Uh, uh, That movie, like, was, you know, one, like, that's one of the first comedies I I remember. That's one of the first movies I remember seeing that I was, like, not old enough to watch. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) that, like, if my parents knew I was watching this, they'd be like, I don't know about that. Um, (laughs) My dad said to me so much. uh, The the last one is... um, that uh what's the sport 
that all the hockey players play when they're eliminated from the playoffs. It's like a meme that they they all play. They don't go to the batting cages. No. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's, I feel like uh, golf being an off season thing is like probably a thing in every sport. Like, uh, you know, like Michael Jordan, uh, very infamously big golf guy. Um, So, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe a big baseball guy universally. Yes, certainly a big baseball. Played more professional baseball than he did. Yeah, that's true. Did you do you are you familiar with the story though about how um uh Michael Jordan got like kicked out of a country club or something, or like kicked like uh he wasn't allowed to like play golf at uh at this place anymore because he wore cargo shorts and (laughs) they were like, You can't wear cargo shorts, you have to go to the like store here and buy Bermuda shorts. And he was like, no. And they were like, well, we're going to like make it so that you can't. And he was just like, eh, that's fine. I'll just build my own golf course. And he did. He like he like built his own golf course, like like a, within spreading distance of that golf course, <laughs> which is so funny. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Those 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 two sports have always been very closely related in my mind. But um, yeah, I mean, it just seems like. Maybe maybe you're you're correct. Like the it's like their their scandal quotient or whatever is like because it seems like other sports have fun scandals. You know what I mean? Yeah, like balance it out. Exactly. Like scandals where where there's just like it doesn't really matter. And there's no like real negative consequences. It's just like someone being silly or being an idiot or like, you know, like you're talking about baseball or whatever. Like I feel like the scandal that always happens in baseball is like, or the, the most famous ones anyways, are like someone bet on their own games. And it's like, well, that's just good business. You know, <laughs> like that's just, especially <laughs> like they're the trying to pe- make sure they they retire with the plan, you know, of course. And I mean, like I, I, I might be getting this wrong, but I feel like the Pete Rose thing was like, uh, you know, because because he's like the all time hits leader or whatever. And uh, and he's not in the Hall of Fame because of his like gambling scandal. But from what I understand, like he he didn't he bet on his own team to win. Oh, which is he? like I didn't know that. Yeah. Which is like. I mean, I'm not saying you should be allowed to do that, but like that's not that bad. That's just like how how different is that from from like Mark Messier guaranteeing a, a win or whatever in the 94. <laughs> I think playoffs. it's, like, I think it's different, but, but it's but, not that different, but it's, yeah, you, if anything, Pete, Pete Rose is actually morally superior because he put money on it. He he put his money where his mouth was, you know, Mark Messier just risked like being embarrassed for a week, you know, yeah. like, yeah, um, money, yeah. But yeah, Anyways, have um, we talked about the, the the hockey scandal yet? Oh, right, yeah, the, flurry or the one. other yeah, yeah. the other hockey scandal. Uh, the flurry the flurry thing is actually like at least there's a well, yeah, at least there's a positive spin on it, which is that because um, he fucking wore it because he wore it, and I, I I will add to that too. I believe it was uh, Elliot Friedman, although it's possible it could have been another insider who kind of said that basically what's going on with the NHL like one angle to it or one element to it is that they have been kind of concerned about it going in the other direction. Basically like they're concerned about someone like he didn't say this explicitly, but 
implicitly, you know, someone putting like a Confederate flag on their uh, mask or like, Whoa. I mean, it's Didn't sort of Robin Lehner or somebody already do Trump on the mask. Thomas, yes, yeah, uh, he did like a Trump thing. Maybe not Lehner. Then... There's some, there's somebody who did though. Uh, no, he did a Trump thing. Although he's he he did re he did like uh, go back on that um, later. He was like, I shouldn't have done that. I was wrong. Trump sucks. And and so that's and you know, he did that. Point. And you know what? He I'm sure part of the reason he did that is because he faced consequences from like social consequences for wearing it. Yeah, and um, fan consequences. And yes. so I actually I don't think like I'm not getting into a free speech thing, but like I don't know think you should ban somebody from doing the confederate flag like yes it is a hate symbol but well, like let them get fucking attacked for it then. well and maybe and you know what like maybe you're right like like if someone wants to to like uh uh fucking um just pillory their their own like chances of getting another contract after that by doing something like that it is yeah. almost a thing where it's like let them but uh i i <laughs> like and and by the way i think one of the things you were thinking about too is thomas grice had like a Maybe it's Nazi adjacent symbol like. Oh, with the SS. Yeah, 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 that kind of thing. But I, 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 what just just to to close that. But the NHL never stopped, never, never like. No, they didn't do anything. They never did anything about that. No, this, this is all this. All of this happened because the Flyers wouldn't sit Ivan Provorov for one game. But um, to close that thread, like my response would would just be like. (laughs) It's not that hard to just like assemble a list of hate symbols that you can't have on your yeah. equipment like it's really not yeah, hard like way, yeah. like don't have a like you know confederate flag swastika ss like you know whatever else um and it's like you know if someone wants to express like pride over their southern heritage like let them put the the fucking like alabama flag on there like mm-hmm. whatever southern state they're from like i'm not gonna give a shit about that like who cares that's mm-hmm. fine just don't let them put a confederate flag on there like it's like one of those things where it's like it seems like you anticipated a problem that you could have just dealt with in a in a normal way that would make sense and instead yeah. you you just freaked out and and imposed this like rule that you could never uh dream of enforcing but um mm-hmm. that's that that's enough time on uh on on mark andre Fleury. um we're we're sort of burying the lead here because obviously the big scandal is uh uh Corey Perry's contract with the Blackhawks being terminated uh amid now discredited rumors uh that were i guess uh kind of taking social media by storm a couple of days ago um this, well, is, Jackson, this is a without really weird saying, one without yeah. saying what you know yeah uh besides like you're basing that statement uh, not off of what Kyle Davidson said yes uh you're, ba- you're basing that on off of more than that yes yes okay. I am yeah okay. um I'm basing between I'm basing... you and me I don't think we give a shit what Kyle Davidson says right? no of course not and no that was my my immediate reaction when that happened was well he would say that either way that, yeah right yeah. so so once again just to just to set the scene here um Corey Perry a few days ago gets pulled from the ice uh in Columbus doesn't play gets scratched the team announces he's going to be away indefinitely um 
amid all of that sort of curiosity uh, about like what is happening with Corey Perry, uh, a rumor starts to get traction that Corey Perry slept with Connor Bedard's mom, which I just have to say before we go any further, just setting aside everything else, that would be funny if that happened. That's all yeah, I have to say I, about it. That would be kind of funny. It'd be um, kind of funny. It seems, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, as a veteran of the Canucks.com forums. Yes. And uh and and uh, I guess a uh loot maybe maybe lieutenant level of uh hockey HF boards. Sure, yeah. It just sounds like something that would come from a Canucks forum about a Canucks player that like oh. every it, it, before May, Raymond Ballard in a second, mm-hmm. it was X player slept with X player's mom well, or wife. You know? Yes, and we're so, I, so I'm desensitized. Yes. I know that yeah. I know this can happen and has happened, but I'm desensitized it and I kind of don't believe it anytime I see it. Yeah, let's return to that in a second because I do, I do want to draw the parallel there again. Um, yeah. but that was the that's the rumor that was going around. I don't know where it came from. Um, although I do, I will speculate on where it came from in a second. Um, it was announced uh, shortly thereafter that they were terminating his contract, uh, placed him on unconditional waivers. Uh, nobody picked him up. He's gone. Uh, and then Kyle Davidson. Blackhawks GM basically has this press conference where he says this doesn't it's a workplace matter and it doesn't involve any player, any other players or their families or whatever. Um, Paul's the rumors disgusting, yada, yada, yada. We'll get back to that in a second. Um, And then some more details came out today and I'm uh, annoyed because I'm sure this episode will be dating ourselves immediately as more information comes out. But the information that comes out is essentially um, there was an incident between him and a team employee in Nashville uh, that they were informed about that went against their code of conduct. It involved, uh, I believe it was Frank Sarah Valley who reported that the incident was quote unquote uh, alcohol fueled, whatever that means. Um, so, you know, that's where we stand today. Um, kind of hard to speculate as to what, like, as to the exact details. Um, but, you know, it is very relevant that we're talking about the Blackhawks organization who may be, shall we say, um, particularly incentivized to uh nip scandals in the bud um as soon as they can you know i've had incentives to do a lot of things and i've never done it so i'm just like the chicago blackhawks because yeah i have not i've not they have the incentive i have not seen them do this really well okay okay. so maybe cal davidson talking within two or three days but i'm gonna uh, i have i have the way the discourse has evolved on this has been weird and my feelings about it are kind of mixed and complicated, but something that I will say about the Blackhawks organization, like something that um, is kind of tough to talk about without like, I, like I don't want to sound like I'm being too uh, apologetic or too kind to the Blackhawks by any means, but like it is not Kyle Davidson's fault that the NHL didn't punish the Blackhawks properly. Right. Um, 
Go on. Most of the no, basically the entirety of the Blackhawks organization has basically been purged. Um, uh, like the entirety of the sorry, the organization that was involved in the Kyle Beach scandal. Uh, the owner's dead. None of those people um, like work in hockey anymore. Really, it seems like like Stan Bowman's gone. Joel Quenville's gone. Most of the staff are gone. Uh, I don't I can't remember the timeline exactly of like when it happened uh, in 2010. Right. So Dale Talon was already gone by then, um, I think. I don't remember enough details to really yeah. talk about it. But the 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 main bu- bullet point is that like it is a new GM. It is a new organizational structure. Um, it wouldn't be right to categorize like this front office structure as being like the same people who were involved in the Kyle Beach scandal. It's the same organization, and I don't actually. You know, I think my feelings on this are well established. Like, I don't care who was involved. The organization itself should have been made to suffer very dearly for all of that, regardless of who was involved. Like, it should have you been gotta, both. You, the way that they've set examples mm-hmm. uh, against teams for other things. Yeah, they they can't give this an exception. They need yeah. they need to make this. They needed to make an example out of this. And I do think some innocent people should have not had their careers ruined, but like, like work with a team that doesn't have first round picks for the next five years. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Make it, make it a, like, Hey, sometimes when you want to work in radio in Canada, you got to work up North, make Chicago the place that people work up. North. I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Just, yeah. I, I, I don't have sympathy. It's it sh- yeah. Just well, more- cause it is like one of those things where it's like, ultimately you still took the job. Right. Um, yeah. So so yeah, I don't want to be like I said too sympathetic or anything, but um, I do think that this is kind of a tough. It would be a tough situation to manage for Kyle Davidson and for anybody else because it, it's sort of a no win situation or like a lose lose situation because they could have. Well, I mean, I guess first of all, like legally, there would have been it would have been sort of difficult to share too much information right off the hop. They kind of have to like, let the whole thing play out, figure out what they're supposed to do. Like, um, as I understand it, this is basically unprecedented in terms of um, terminating a contract and the NHLPA may grieve it. um, Because like a a player has basically never had their contract terminated for failing to follow a specific team policy. Um, They can be, they can have their contract terminated for failing to follow a league wide policy and they can have their contract terminated. um, Like in the case of the, the Slava Voinov thing where there were like criminal charges. Um, But in this case, it doesn't appear, you know, they've stated over and over again that it's not a criminal matter. Um, So I guess, I guess what, what I'll say is that um the the time between having to do something about whatever Corey Perry de- did and deciding to terminate his contract, it seems inevitable to me that there would have been rumors about it. And this kind of gets into the broader discourse about it, I guess. But uh, he slept with uh, with Connor Bedard's mom is a 
is in the realm of rumors that could spread in a situation like that, like fairly innocuous. It's not like that bad. And the thing that you um, alluded to earlier, like maybe it's just a Vancouver thing. I feel like it's a broader league thing. Whenever something weird happens with a player, they're either like traded uh, under weird circumstances or unexpectedly, or um, they get sent down to the minors. And like anytime a player who seems like they should be a lock on a team for a long time gets moved. My instinct is like the first thing the fans are going to say is that they slept with the player's wife. Right. Like that's pretty well established, at least in Vancouver. I've heard of it. Yeah. At least in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's definitely been a thing uh, elsewhere too. Um, I remember like something about either Carter or Richards in Philadelphia. Um, that being a thing too, like it's, it's well established anyways, as like a rumor that goes around and, um, in Corey Perry's case. So behind the scenes, I heard from somebody a few days ago, someone closer to the game than I am that this, you know, after Corey Perry got hauled out of the game, that Corey Perry was probably going to face discipline for quote, uh, like sleeping with someone he should not have. That's what I heard. And it wasn't like they didn't go on record. They didn't say this is what happened. They just said, like, I'm trying to get a sense of what's happening. And this is what I've gotten so far. And so it seems like pretty easy to connect that piece of information. If that, you know, if I heard about it, then chances are someone else heard about it. Right. You're saying this is how the rumor very likely started, right? This is how I think it started. Someone got that piece of information. Like there was some kind of like Corey Perry sexual something with somebody that wasn't essentially, you know, you can make the case, although when it's NHL players, it's increasingly tough to like Corey Perry's married. So him having sex or, you know, sexual harassment or whatever it ends up being, um, like anything that doesn't involve his wife is potentially an embarrassment or like a scandal. Right. Um, right. And so I could see pretty easily how if someone heard that part, their brain would immediately go to, okay, normally you'd say, oh, he probably slept with someone's wife, right? But the thing about Corey Perry is he's really old uh, for an NHL player. He's 38. He's one of the oldest players in the league. Um, There's like two other players on the Blackhawks who are even in the same ballpark, and neither of them would really, like, you wouldn't terminate someone's contract or, like, suspend them indefinitely if it's over, like, Nick Foligno. Like, no one cares, you know? Um, So I could kind of see how people immediately go to, like, oh, he slept with one of the player's wives. Oh, actually, that doesn't make sense. Wait, what does make sense is he slept with the youngest player in the league's mom or whatever. Like, you can kind of see the dumb guy like wires connecting there or whatever. Um, And um, I guess basically like to the extent that I'm sympathetic to Kyle Davidson, which is not that much, but a little bit. um, 
I don't know that there was really that much they could have done to avoid that situation. Uh, once they decided to like haul Corey Perry out of that game. And in, in fairness to them, um, it seems like they actually handled the Corey Perry thing, like quite swiftly um, because the incident happened in Nashville. They found out about it in Columbus, like a few days later, later, and they hauled him out of the game. Um, mm. And, and, and so like, I, I, I guess I'm just not that convinced that they could have avoided uh, rumors of some kind. And like, uh, we don't know what Corey Perry did, but like, given the situation that Kyle De- Davidson inherited in Chicago, um, the rumor being that one of their players had consensual sex with some, what essentially amounts to some lady is a lot better than potential other rumors that could have um, taken hold on the internet. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I just find the the whole discourse around it kind of puzzling in some ways, because it's like, I do feel bad for Connor Bedard and I feel bad for his mom. Um, like it sucks, but it is kind of just within the realm of weird shit that happens with players. And like people get weird about, star players um they follow them into bars and take pictures of them and like uh i feel bad about all that stuff i guess but i just don't know if this particular thing like reaches the level of um outrage that some people have had over it um it kind of just seems like weird and uh and like unfortunate but not necessarily something that like uh reaches the 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 level of a moral panic or whatever i don't know if that makes sense i'm i'm fully into this drink that i poured for myself uh uh, uh, celebrating henry kissinger's death about an hour ago so see my thing right now is the more fun conversation to have is the one that ends up belittling uh the mother of a hockey player who does not deserve yeah that kind of talk but here's the thing uh, one thing well, that I will say about that, just just to like to turn it around a little bit, if Corey Perry did sleep with Connor Bedard's mom, in my opinion, the only person that that should really be embarrassing for, I realize it doesn't work that way, but the only person that should that really should be embarrassing for is like Corey Perry, uh, uh, like who 100%. cares ultimately, you know? No, obviously, yeah, yeah. The the only thing this this comes down to is that the only reason. Like what, whether the Blackhawks did this right or did mm-hmm. this wrong, doesn't matter. The no. the issue is that the brand of the Blackhawks, like this is what you get. Yeah, yeah. This is That's one of the few fair. consequences that the Chicago Blackhawks will face is that people don't trust this. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no they don't. What. They're not going to get the benefit of the doubt because of the Kyle Beach thing, and that's how it should be. So you know, ultimately, um, yeah, in the in the like group of people to feel sorry for in this situation, uh, Blackhawks management like they were probably gonna look bad no matter what because of stuff that's already happened. Um, but you know, having said that, like. I I'm just not convinced that there was, you know, until more information comes out that there was like um a very obvious way for them to have handled it better. Um yeah. I think you just like 
yeah, turns out when you cover up sexual assault, uh, it's going to have repercussions where you're going to continue to look bad if other bad things happen or scandals happen or whatever. And I mean, you know, based on the the information that's out there right now, um, you know, it sounds like Corey Perry got drunk and did something inappropriate. And what that thing is, is going to come out eventually. And depending on what it is, it's going to result in more embarrassment for specific people. Um, but, you know, uh this the the whole like uh like Corey Perry Connor Bedard's mom thing is is kind of just like to me it it kind of falls within the um the realm of rumors that inevitably happen with NHL players um and it's just unfortunate that you know an innocent person got sucked into it and also that like this kid who's fully still a teenager uh and like not even old enough to drink is is like dealing with with that has that hovering over him um but the good news is uh it only took like two months for Connor bedard to have a reason to not want to be in chicago so um <laughs> you know uh i know taj is uh doing that counter of uh, how many days are left until he's a free agent so um as always counting down the days baby uh He's gonna go to the flames, calling it. I really do think I, I like I I I really don't want to talk it up too much or like psych myself up too much, but like I really you think could it's gonna see happen? him pulling a Tavares. Yeah, I really think it could. Uh, like okay, but a Tavares. That yeah. do you know how old we're gonna be? Oh, that's the thing. That but that exactly, and that's why I'm not why I don't even care that much, and I'm not that excited. Is because by yeah. the time he does that um by the time he does that jt miller's deal will be expiring <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah i mean uh it it would be a pyrrhic victory but i do think it has a chance of happening and i guess that's a a good enough excuse to um transition into more fun stuff uh and talk about the canucks um obviously we got to get to the anthony bovillier thing Kuzmenko got scratched. I don't know how we, much of a story that will be. We also, Jackson, we also have to address, address the question of, are the Canucks good? Now, see, that is exactly where I was going. Um, well, I guess you asked let's, me, let's, so I better start, well, right? Well, let me, let me, let me make the case. Okay. All right. I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to make the case by opening up the, the, uh, the new Sportsnet Now app presented mm-hmm. by Shakespeare Holmes. I don't know. Fucking, <laughs> um, let's see. Standings. You know what? I hate looking at the standings because of how they organize it now. Yeah. What? Why? What's the point of somebody looking at division? Okay, actually, tell, riddle me this. Uh huh. Why is there a division tab for when you're looking at the standings when it doesn't matter? Doesn't and matter why is the division, it the default? Right. right? Like why, that why, drives why, me insane. Why isn't the only thing that matters the wild card? And then, if you're curious, conference and league. Division yeah. doesn't matter at that point. Wild wildcard already tells you the division. It's true. What yeah. what matters in the division, right? Just if another you're example. Division, of... You're trying to see like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just another example of the NHL not knowing how to do anything. Like their their website sucks. It's so ridiculously terrible. I feel like this was a thing that everyone talked about when they did the redesign and then like it kind of fell off as a talking point, but it is an insanely shitty website. It's so shitty that I don't 
use it unless I have to. Right. Like mm-hmm. if I'm if I want to look at like player stats, I don't go to the NHL website. I'll go to like natural or uh, natural stat trick for like advanced stats. And then I'll go to like either elite prospects or hockey DB if I want to see like how they did in other leagues in addition to the NHL, which the NHL doesn't keep on their website. Um, And even the like trying to check in game stats and like, you know, let's say I'm at work or whatever, and it's like an East Coast game. And I'm uh, I open up my phone and I want to go to the NHL website and I'm like, okay, I see that like the Canucks are winning, but I want to see if they like should be winning. You know, I want to see like, what are the shots like? Have they had power plays? Who scored? Getting that information Mm -hmm. is stupidly hard. Like. I know how to do it because I've done it a million times, but like I could easily see a casual fan just being like, this website's stupid. I give up. I don't care. Um, Yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, okay, so setting that aside, organized stupidly, um, I will go to the NHL website and I will sort it in a way that makes sense. That is the most like indicative of how teams are really doing. So, okay, here we go. Standings. Um, Hold on, I was doing this. Yeah. I'm, all I, right. You tell you tell me if this means anything. Okay. Okay. They're after 23 games. Mm-hmm. Quarter of the way through the season, they're 15, 7, and 1, 31 points. They're one behind the Stanley Cup winning Golden Knights. They have uh-huh. one more win than the Stanley Cup winning Golden Knights, who have, yeah. Jesus, they've lost in overtime four times. Uh, so the Canucks are 31 points behind 32. Uh, that puts us in the top, I want to say, two of the league. No, three of the league if sure. we're tied with the Bruins. Yeah. Rangers are top of the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are second in the division, so we have a clean playoff spot right yep. there. Yep. Um, there's there's a big gap between the worst out of anybody in the playoffs, and, or maybe it's just three points, but sure. we have a healthy gap. Uh, okay, you know what? I will open the division. Uh, second in the division. There are some very bad teams in this division, yep. uh, which I was hoping for at the beginning of the year, and it kind of called. I just didn't expect the Oilers to be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what, what else, what else can, uh, can I tell you about the Canucks? They're, they're the first team to have four players and to have 25 or more points after 23 games Yeah, in the league, something mm-hmm. weird like that. I love that, uh, people are going nuts about the Canucks great trio of Hughes, Miller and Patterson forgetting the fact that Brock Besser is the more is the rocket Richard leader. Oh, right now. and baby, like, we are going to talk about that. <laughs> that yeah. is such, that is such like a asterisk. It's so funny. Like it, I understand why, but it's just, it's so funny. Like that's how good we are right now. Yeah, totally. Um, I would yeah. argue. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there were some, there were some other points in the fine sports net app. It's not fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3.96 goals per game. That's second. We're fourth power play fourth goals against per game. Uh, not great on the penalty kill. Um, and look, thing, things are looking good. Yes. Uh, my Toronto buddy who was talking to you before we started this, the show said Vancouver expats in, uh, in Toronto are wearing their Canucks jerseys. They're, they're gloating. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, 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 the diaspora is <laughs> proud to be from here. Yes. Uh, I, the Canucks are really good to the point where I just expect them to be winning five two most games, even when I'm not watching. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me why they're not good. 
or or are they? Well, um, I I think they're good. Um, I don't think they're great, but like, okay, so obviously, what do they have to do to be great? Uh, their underlyings need to improve for sure. Um, and their, their underlyings need to improve. And really what I mean by that is they need to, uh, they need to play better at evens. Um, I'm sure I don't need to tell you that, uh, relying on the power play is not like a super sustainable model for success. Um, that is why they've won so much is just because their, their power play is insane. It's ridiculous how good it is. And um, I was thinking about something the other day. I was, uh, I was looking at JT Miller's uh, like hilarious, like spreads for how good he is on the power play versus how good he is at even strength. Um, And I realized that I don't have to care about this stuff anymore because my whole uh my whole thing with JT Miller and with the JT Miller trade was that I was irritated by his success because it disguised uh the Canucks like extremely bad process in general uh that included making that trade. And then I was irritated that that it was gonna on the one hand disguise it and then on the other hand prolong Jim Benning and John Weisbrod being in charge of the team and continuing to do stupid things. But that all happened. And they're not in charge of the team anymore. And they signed him to this new deal that has nothing to do with the trade, essentially, because they just extended him. Um, And now they just like have a guy who makes $8 million who's like a top five power play guy in the league in terms of like truly moving the needle at five on four and like his skill set specifically adding to the total goals that a power play can can manage um and it, it, this kind of ties into the the Anthony Beauvillier trade too. Like now that there's a new front office in Vancouver, I almost feel like I've had to like recalibrate and be like, oh yeah, all, a lot of stuff that used to piss me off, I don't have to be pissed off about anymore because the people who are in char- who are in charge are not like literally some of the stupidest people I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, no, no, I'm I'm not afraid of them repeating too many patterns now now that they've given us a larger sample size to draw on. Yeah. From the start, they were repeating patterns, but um sorry, I've lost my train of thought. They've, I, I they've, just have to deal they've, with they've done enough dogs. to sorry. differentiate themselves in terms of philosophy, basically, right? Yeah, like, like what what did you feel when you saw I don't know you're gonna lead lead into mm-hmm. this later, but yeah. When you saw them trade a an expiring contract for a pick. Well, yeah. So, you know, this this gets into the sort of like grander picture with the Canucks, which is something I've talked about before, definitely on Twitter, possibly on the show, which is that like 
it should be pretty hard to consistently miss the playoffs with a center defenseman and goalie as good as Pedersen, Demko, and Hughes. That should be really hard. And Mm -hmm. if you replace, like, what was arguably, I think, genuinely the worst front office in the league, or, like, at least bottom two, with just, like, average, it makes sense that that would be enough to take a team that struggled to being, like, a team that's at least pretty good. And, you know, as we've talked about in the Are the Canucks Good segment in previous iterations, good is sort of a moving target, and there's a lot of different definitions. You know, um, I've used, like, the, okay, the bottom, like, third of the league is bad. The top third of the league is great. And then, like, the middle third of the league is is good or whatever, generally. And it's like, the Canucks are firmly not in that bottom third anymore. And they're probably in the top half. Um, maybe closer to the middle than a lot of people think. But at this point, like it's it, whether they're good or not, it is very, it is impossible to make the case that they're bad. And that's a huge leap from where they've been at any other point in the last like eight years or whatever. And so when they, when they made that, uh, trade for Anthony Beauvillier or uh, for the fifth round pick trading the full freight of the An- of Anthony Beauvillier's salary for a fifth round pick. My first reaction was, holy shit, they finally did it. A thing that I felt like they would never do or never have done um, basically since Mike Gillis was fired. Um, and then I thought about it a little bit more and some people have very rightly pointed out that like all they really did was move off of a mistake um, which is true, uh, because they took on a huge salary in the Horvat trade. Uh, they said it was like adding an additional first rounder, which is very funny. Um, and then they were like, actually, this guy isn't very good, doesn't fit with our team. And then they moved him for a fifth round pick. But the thing that I like about that is that one, it shows that they're that they'll just move off of a mistake. They're not super concerned about looking stupid, basically. And actually like that because the old Canucks front office was simultaneously so looked stupid all the time and yet was consistently so concerned with looking more stupid. Yeah, they never made up for their own mistakes. They, they never, never they would double and triple down on their mistakes. I was talking with um, I don't think he would care if I said said this. I was talking with uh, Quads the other day about this, and he agreed with me when I said that like the old front office would have extended Beauvillier and traded like Hoaglander, even though he makes barely any money, because they would have just been too afraid to admit that like uh, they kind of didn't maybe get like the greatest return for Bo Horvat, or they kind of had to take on like a salary dump. And all they got out of it was like a prospect who's not looking that great right now. And a first round pick that they immediately turned around and traded for like a win now player with. Well, um, hypotheticals aren't even, we don't even need hypotheticals uh, when they just, they did that already. Right. Yeah. They, they did basically that move two or three times. And we did, we don't like, it's, it's not a threat. So I, I think we could, we could name anybody and they'd be like, no, yeah, of course the front office, front office would do that. Exactly. That. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, 
um, looking at the, so, you know, you mentioned the, the standings. I'm looking at the real standings now. Um, I've sorted everything by points percentage, um, which is like, should be the default essentially. Like this is the real, um, it's the real standings in the sense that it shows you bait. Like if every team played at their current pace, where they would be in the standings, because right up until the last game of the season, basically um, teams will have uh, like discrepancies in amount of games played. And you'll have to constantly look at the standings and be like, okay, well, they're a point behind us, but they have a, a game in hand or whatever. So points percentage just corrects for all of that. Um, and based on points percentage, the Canucks are third in their division behind the LA Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, your prediction that they will finish third in the Pacific, by the way, is looking at worst, almost like ironclad <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, in terms of the overall league, uh, it doesn't actually say the number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're seventh in the league in points percentage. Um, that's behind... Uh, the, the New York Rangers, who are both first in the league in points and points percentage, the L.A. Kings, who are in second, the Bruins, who are in third, and then the Colorado Avalanche, the Dallas Stars, and the Vegas Golden Knights. And I mean, uh, that's kind of a that's kind of an interesting group of teams. I don't know if I'm really convinced that the Rangers are like first in the league good and um I very, I guess at this point, infamously said that I wasn't necessarily buying the LA Kings. That's starting to look pretty bad. Um, but basically, like, the the Canucks profile is essentially a team that has really good goaltending and a really good power play and who is, like, mediocre at five on five with some pretty amazing top end talent. And so I think you can make a pretty strong case that like, even though the five on five form is not great, the fact that they're competent to good everyone else or everywhere else, sorry, makes them on balance, at least like pretty good. And I feel like I kind of need like 10 more games to really get a sense of who they are. People have talked a lot about PDO etc. Um they've definitely been lucky. But at the same time, when you correct for how much they've led and you look at the games individually, I don't think they're as much of a paper tiger as some teams that have been on PDO benders are. And if you look at uh there was I think it was Jay Fresh or somebody um tweeted out recently like teams that have had similar PDO bender starts to the Canucks. All those teams made the playoffs except for the Dallas Stars, who set a record for the most points by a non-playoff team. Um, look, like I think they've got a lot of stuff they got to do before they level up into an elite team. But on balance, they look like they're probably like true talent. I'd say like the 12th or 13th best team in the league. And they have a really great goalie. And they have Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. So that's at least pretty good. Um, 
And I, I do think they'll regress a little bit, but they have the the shooting talent and the goaltending talent that even if their underlyings look not great, um, it stands to reason that their results would be slightly, at least slightly better than what the um what the underlyings would indicate their results should be. Uh, and so I really think like your prediction that they're going to finish third in the Pacific is, a, is looking really strong at this point. Um, they're on pace to finish seventh. I think they're going to finish like 10th or 11th in the league, finish third in their division. I think they're going to look probably a lot like uh, the last team, the last Canucks team that, um, well, they're going to look a lot like the last Canucks team that made the playoffs, and they're also going to look like a lot like, or they're also going to look a lot like the last Canucks team that made the play, made the real playoffs in front of fans. They have a lot of similarities to both of those teams. And would I describe either of those teams as good? Um, I don't know. I mean, I infamously described the COVID year team as mediocre, but I think this team is better than that. Um, I just think they have more going for them. Quinn Hughes is leveled up. Elias Pettersson's leveled up. They have a real backup goalie and they have NHL defensemen, like actual NHL quality defensemen on their second and third pair. Um, and they have a pretty good coach. So yeah, I mean, uh, controversially, I think a team that has 31 points and is currently fourth in the league uh, is not bad. <laughs> okay, so here, 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 yeah. here. Okay, now that I have a word, the reason why I I'm not worried, and I was 2011 PTSD. Yes, worried when I see the team be very good at special teams, or at least power play, and some dumb questions. But I I really feel like we're in a spot of uh isolating ourselves too much when we're when we're self-criticizing or when we're criticizing the team it's kind of yeah. like when you're looking at a mirror too much and you start to feel bad and you forget like no, no there's other people out there too yeah. uh i kind of feel like that about the canucks like yeah, yeah. There, there's legitimate things our first our first reaction is to criticize mm -hmm. my thing is that even if look, even if five on five things aren't looking great and if regression is on the horizon uh, which, which the re the reason why I'm not worried about that is that now the players in this team, this this feels like coach talk. Every player in this team now knows how good they can be. Yeah, no, that's they fair. They have they have absolutely increased their ceiling of of what they can actually do together. And yes, the first quarter of a year is not exactly representative of the rest of the year. Coach other teams figure out what your moves are. Uh, they figure out what your strategy are, and you can be coached into regression by other teams, right? Mm -hmm. But every but like the Kuzmenko's, like not even not even just the Kuzmenko's who are middle and or like middle tier players in this team yeah. right now, which wasn't the case last year. But guys like Bill Di Giuseppe, mm -hmm. uh, Atsuratsu, just these, these guys who are on the okay, I know. I know dude Giuseppe's not in the bottom six, but even bottom Atu six. Ratu's also in the in the AHL, so I'm not sure who you're oh, thinking I thought he of. Played, there, but... I thought he played I feel like he was Are you thinking of Hoaglander, maybe? Because Hoaglander's uh, been really good recently. I'm throw I'm throwing out random bottom six okay. players. Doesn't that matter. I can think of. Yeah. All yeah. of those players 
they now know whether individually or collectively that they can do this, that they can be the best team in the league, which the Canucks have been on days more than zero in so far. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, which says a lot. Yeah. And now they're not like their tails, not between their legs and yeah, they're going to have some bad games. They're all, this is the Vancouver Canucks. They were going to lose the teams like the sharks once in a while. Totally. Just, yeah. That's just in the DNA of the Canucks. That's what happens. You play down, you play up mm-hmm. and yeah, I just I, I really feel like now everybody's had the space jam moment where they've realized that, oh, we actually can be as good as the Monstars. Yeah, uh, we yeah, don't need, sure. We don't need this buff and like we're gonna have a few skids. Uh we're we're gonna have a few road trips where we're below five hundred, but mm-hmm. the team knows it can be elite. And I think Rick Tockett and the players themselves can whip them back into shape. The Here's, only thing I'm worried about is injuries yeah. and the Patterson stuff yes. does scare yeah. me. Yeah. But you, but you know what? Like treat, obviously this, this runs into cap issues and the fact that we have no prospects, but I'm tired of worrying about that right now. We That's just, not even really true anymore though. Cause like, okay. Yeah. They have like, don't get me wrong. The JT Miller contract is going to look bad at some point. When well, is look, anyone? I just want to finish. I just want to finish okay. the, the point. Yeah. The point I'm the, the, sure. Finishing point there uh, is that treat this as the first year of a window. Sure. And yeah, Yeah. if Patterson has some wrist issues this year and trails off, and if the Canucks slide to uh, bottom of the wild card, like, sorry, like if they slide to being the worst team making it into the playoffs, yeah, that's fine. Yes. This is a great great start. This is how you build, like, the team culture stuff uh, that people talk about that I sometimes think is hokey. Um, when you have lost so badly for eight years straight, mm-hmm. you have a bad team culture and you need, there's something you need to undo. And for the Canucks to be able to prove to themselves that they can be good, I think makes a, makes a whole world of a difference that I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they respond to their slide. And I, I do think they can get out of it. Like, man, it's insane how how much of a fucking flip things have been i used to think that philip pronick was was going to be a dud i thought the mm-hmm. fact that he came in injured and i yeah i, I just i just thought he was going to be i thought he was going to be on the third line you know and yeah the fact that yeah there is guys like chronic and besser who aren't even like sports doesn't even have the time to be able to talk about their success totally yeah. because of how how many other players are are about them right succeeding now. yeah so totally just just in terms of the conversation of like are they good i think they're fucking elite right now the <laughs> yeah fact that they i think the fact that they've tasted it already mm-hmm. tells me that they can come back to it and yeah we need some tinkering to do we like i'm i'm excited for the i'm now starting to look up cap space stuff and learn about that part of the team right now. And I'm that like, was what I wanted. They're going to tinker. They're going to tinker. Yeah. And see being even better. And so that was something it. I wanted to center in on because like some of the conversations that you usually would have about the Canucks and, and like so much of this is luck and it is important to account for luck. Cause like that can sometimes be the, the difference between a team that looks really good and then falls off and a, a team that actually remains good. But like, a lot of the stuff that people said about this team for a long time, like they don't have any prospects and they don't, they have a bunch of cap problems. Like the OEL buyout's going to look ugly and the JT Miller contract's not great. But those two things, uh, they're, they're not great, but they're way better than they've looked in several years. The 
the prospect situation, like I didn't like the Tom Volander pick, but the Hunter Brustavich pick has completely made up for it. Like Hunter Brustavich right now is playing like a guy that you took 11th overall in the first round. So who cares? Doesn't matter. You got the guy. I it, Okay. It's weird that you got him in the third round instead of the first and that your first round guy doesn't maybe look that amazing. Doesn't matter. Who cares? You did it. You got the elite or high-end defense prospect out of the draft, whatever. Jonathan LeCaramacchi on pace once again to, like, score at an unprecedented clip for a player uh, in the Ostenskin or whatever. Looking really good. So they have prospects again. They got rid of the Anthony Beauvillier contract. Tyler Myers is expiring. The OAL buyout is what it is. The You know, there's some other stuff, but, like, it's not a situation that you look at and go, Jesus Christ, they have a bunch of below replacement level players that are taking up like 8% of the cap or whatever. That's not what's happening anymore. I thought you would find this interesting. Um, so uh, as most most people know, the Canucks are leading the league in goal differential with plus 34. The biggest reason for this is that they are also leading the league in total goals for. Um, do you want to guess how much they're leading by? Oh, 25. <laughs> oh, leading by? Yeah, leading by. Yeah. Oh, so, geez. like, what's the difference between them and the, the next one? 25. 25. No, it's 11, which is okay. really impressive. And that, which is, and, but when I see that, I do see it. It's like, that's like two games. Of the, which is true, and they the, are the, the shark. The sharks game really pads that. Yes. Okay. But here's here's what I'll here's what I'll say. So there are two ti- teams that are tied for second with eighty. One of them is the Colorado Avalanche. They've played two less games than the Canucks. So well. you correct for that or whatever. But number three, like tied with the Colorado Avalanche, is the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they've played the same amount of games. And that's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like Stamkos, Kucherov, point. Um the Canucks have had some stuff go their way that if you actually think about it for a second like does make sense. Like Brock Besser is a good player who's had a tough go. Uh and you know, at this point I I want to talk about more about Besser in a second but like uh, barring injury like yeah if Elias Pettersson like breaks his leg and doesn't play for the rest of the season, they're fucked. But assuming that like everyone stays kind of healthy, kind of healthy that they can play through, or they only get injuries to like, you know, Ilya Mikhaev or whatever. And the fact that they have this extra cap space now, and they might go out and sign Ethan bear and with 4 million or four and a bit million, like they could sign Ethan bear. And then they could also go and sign like, another forward that could help them score more at even strength or whatever. Like they, they have room. I don't know how much room they have to improve because they've been super good, but they have the room to like, uh, manage that regression, you know, to go out, get a better defenseman, get another forward, maybe have some of their players improve over the second half of the year. And with that improvement, essentially meet the level that they've played at, you know, where the underlings get better, even though the luck goes down. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know, like this, 
<laughs> the city's been miserable for a long time. And I really don't think it makes a lot of sense to get. Yeah. Okay. So they're five and five over their last 10 games or whatever. But like at this point, it really is like, just enjoy it. It, it, it is so stupid. Wow, at let this people point. enjoy things. Yeah. At this point, I do think it's genuinely pretty stupid to like worry too much about PDO at least until they have a, a a streak where they're below 500 for 10 games. And then you can start worrying about it. Um, but, you know, it's it's still a little too early to get too upset about it. They've got good players. Their coach is good. He actually understands what's happening. Like, that's another thing, too, is that it would worry me a lot more if the Canucks, you know, win that game in – Anaheim where they really only played very well for about 10 minutes. And the coach was like, yeah, it was great. We're just happy to get wins, you know, like who cares? Uh, it means it, it's a good sign that after games like that, Rick talking is like, yeah, I didn't think we played very well. Good. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's the standard that I want. I want to go back to the standard where if the Canucks win, but they play like shit, the coach is like, it's great that we won. I'll take the two points. But we didn't play well enough. Good. That means the organization gets what's in front of them. You know, um, so I, the thing that I wanted to close on um, is I really just want to take a second to say that uh, I think my biggest regret over the past couple years of talking about the Canucks is even though it did come up and even though I definitely did like go on the record about it. I did not defend Brock Besser nearly as much as I should have. Um, Brock Besser rocks. I love Brock Besser. Um, he's, I always knew maybe that he didn't, maybe he didn't, maybe he's not a rocket Richard winning player by any means, but like the way this market turned on him was just so frustrating because I think when you actually like take in the totality of what he's gone through and the the shitty teams that he's had to play on and being the the team's like best player in that awful COVID year where everyone sucked, it, it pisses me off that he wasn't given a little bit more leeway to struggle. Um, I posted this on Twitter the other day. Um, you know that things are uh, that something's in the water in Vancouver when uh, I take time out of my day to talk about how Ian McIntyre wrote a great article. <laughs> um, but uh, I I was digging around for for Brock Besser stuff uh, because I was just thinking like you know I really like the guy and um, and you know I know he's been through some some really hard things over over his career and i think the thing that people can very easily forget is they just think like oh yeah he had the stuff with his dad he was really sick and then he died and that's like really sad that was like the sixth thing in a line of really hard things that he had to go through just to just to get to the nhl let alone what's happened to him since he's made the nhl um and I wanted to just highlight um, a couple of things from this article uh, that I th- that I think are really um, just things to keep in mind, because this is the best 
story on the Canucks is what's happening with Brock Besser right now. And I really hope it lasts. And um, Dranson and um, Jamie Dodd were talking about this on the, on the radio earlier this week. He really does not have to do that much at this point, other than stay healthy to hit 40 goals, which would be so cool. Considering right now, 17, I think he's at 17. Um, 17 after 23 games. Yeah. Which is one away from surpassing. I think his total goal, his, his goal total from last year, which is crazy. Um, this is an article about, uh, Willie Desjardins, uh, choosing to, uh, let, um, Besser's parents, Lori and Duke, who was still alive at the time, read out the starting lineup. Um, Mm -hmm. When Besser like made it into the starting lineup, it's a very cute uh, story. But there there were a couple of details in here uh, that I wanted to to highlight, um, which I thought were uh, were interesting. So some people um, may remember this, others may not. Um, as as I Mike alludes to here, I'm going to read from the article, which is titled um, "Ian McIntyre Sacrifice, Love, and Uncommon Maturity: Brock Besser's NHL Arrival." A bigger than hockey moment was published in the Vancouver Sun on March 30th, 2017. He says here, you may remember also it was written here on Brock Besser's draft night two years ago that some of the winger's closest friends from high school were involved in a car accident in 2014 when Brock was in Europe with the United States under 17 team. A good buddy, Ty Alea, was killed and another close friend and high school teammate, Cole Borkhart suffered permanent injuries. Chances are Brock would have been in that car too had he been home. But the stories about Lori Besser working two jobs to support her family are inaccurate. She actually has three jobs, working seasonally in a tax office during tax return time, as well as administrative work for an orthopedics company and serving in a restaurant. Um, this is a quote from uh, from Lori here. I'm not going to lie. It has been a challenge, but you know, you just do what you have to do for your family. Brock has had some life scenarios where he had, where he has had to be a lot older than I wanted him to be. Like when he lost his friend in that car accident in high school and another friend had permanent injuries and he lost grandparents and his dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. He had a maturity about him anyway, but then he had to endure some of those things at a pretty young age. When you have experiences like that, you can't help but grow as you deal with them. Um, and of course, this is before uh, Duke's sickness got worse and he passed away um, as well. Uh, there was a, a story, I think, published by Kevin Woodley earlier this week where Besser talked about how for the last couple of years, he kind of started to resent hockey because he didn't really want to be on the road playing hockey when he felt like he basically should have been at home with his family taking care of his dad um and yeah i just i look at that uh with along with the um the tidbit about like it is always going to uh hit me uh in in my heart when you talk about like a mom working three jobs and one of them being a being a waitress um, like those stories just are really rare in the NHL. 
Um, and I don't know if you remember, uh, like Besser started off his career with like more hype for him as a guy than almost it feels like anyone else in a really long time, just because of how shitty the team had been and how little there was to get excited about. And um, even before he made his NHL debut, uh, one of the stories that went around about him was about how he took um, that girl, Bailey Bjorg, to her prom. (laughs) Bailey is a, uh, she was at the time, like a 20 year old uh, woman with Down syndrome. Um, And the the wonderful thing about that story is that it it had legs, like it it came up multiple times because first it was a story because he took her to her prom. And then it was a story because he sent her uh, a a jersey, like a Canucks Besser signed jersey or whatever. And then it was a story because a bunch of people were um, shitty to her online and he like found them. It was like, you disgust me as a human being. You should be ashamed <laughs> of yourself, that. which is just so funny because like he's like, he seems like the nicest guy ever. And he never says stuff like that. And it's like the only time I've ever heard him say anything negative. Um but um yeah um i mean in a uh like in a league that is really like devoid of actual like good guys uh brock besser is a good dude um and uh i'm i'm really happy to see him having all the success um i don't think we were doing the show yet but um one of my only like positive memories of the Canucks was um in 2017 in this is this is a weird way to start a positive uh uh story but in 2017 in November uh my house burned down and um we were out of the uh we were out of this place the place that I am currently sitting in uh for I think 18 months and um I remember uh sitting in uh, my hotel room that I had to stay in because I didn't have a house um, with my dad and turning on the Canucks Penguins game uh, in early November mm-hmm. where Brock Besser scored a hat trick. Um, and it was it was awesome because it was like. I want to just think about anything other than the fact that I don't know when I'm going to get back into my house um watching hockey with my dad which is always always the guy that i associate uh watching hockey with um and just watching this like new canucks player just fucking basically ruin matt murray's career in the long run uh and um just being like damn they actually have like a good young player this is crazy and for the longest time i just sort of felt like man it really sucks that like my memory of that is going to be attached to like a guy who just kind of never really like improved on that or just kind of didn't disappoint it or whatever. And so I'm, it, I'm really, really excited and really happy to see him doing this. Well, I hope it continues. Um, I, there is no amount of uh, success that I uh, wouldn't, would be uh, surprised by and no amount of success that I would be, um, that I that I would not wish uh, for him because he's awesome, and uh, everybody who spent the last like two years blaming all of the Canucks problems on uh, on him uh, can uh, go kick rocks, <laughs> um, 
And uh, uh, I hope they feel super embarrassed because uh, I feel like this was reasonable. Maybe, maybe not reasonable, but a certain level of improvement was reasonable to expect when you actually step back for a second and think about what this guy has been through over his NHL career. Um, it's as far as I'm concerned right now, it's the best story in the NHL and it feels uh, nice to finally have something positive to talk about on the show. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Brock before we close. I, out, but I, I would echo everything and add that like, if he didn't have these last couple of seasons of not more than a couple of seasons where just down years, um, I, I wonder if he would have been captain if he would have been the natural yeah. next selection for captain. Yeah. I think, I think the players, a good amount of the players recognize what he's gone through and management. And it feels like the only reason he wasn't on the list was because before the season started, you hear the word Brock Besser and you, you don't want to say bust, but you think just like, ah, uh, well, that's too bad. You think and of him maybe as way- like a Sam Gagne type guy, you know, who's like not a yeah. bust, but just not as, good as you thought he was going to be, you know? Yeah, and boy, have we been proven wrong. Again, Yeah, he it's a C-plot of this season right now that he is leading the league in goals, yeah. which might might be a Vancouver thing. Yeah. Uh, it might be a Vancouver or, or like an Eastern Media thing, but it's it's so it's so funny. He's leading the league in fucking goals and nobody's talking about him. Yeah. It's, it, it's not going to stay that way for long. At some point, it will be the uh, the story, but um, uh, I I yeah I don't think it's gonna last forever. Like at some point, somebody's gonna cool off, or like someone's just gonna eventually be like, "How are we not talking about the the fact that he is leading the league in in goals?" And I mean, I I I remember Ray Ferraro used to say this all the time: scoring goals is the hardest job in the NHL. Um, mm. So at some point. If he keeps this up, uh, there's going to be like, I think, uh, uh, a better version of the story that I just told, combining all those things together about like, you know, Brock Besser is essentially a he's a character from a Disney movie. Um, And uh, and yeah, like I just I want everybody to take a step back and appreciate that because, you know, especially since the Sedians left, like. I haven't always felt like the Canucks have been easy to root for, you know, Mm, Um, but with, with, with Besser here right now and, and all of that happening, like as long as he's on this team, the Canucks will, will be easy to root for. I think. Agreed. On the alternate captain note or on the, sorry, on the captain note, I'm just currently, uh, uh, looking up what the normal number of alternate cap of alternate captains is to have for an NHL team, because I'm wondering if maybe like that's a possibility for next season. Um, it's uh, I believe it's four, but only two per game. Okay, yeah. So it's been Miller, I think, and and um, uh, and. Pedersen, yeah, one captain and two alternate captains. Well, I mean, my feelings on this are obviously well established. Um, I would like to see Besser wear an A at some point. Um, that would be cool. I think I think he's easily earned that right. Like yeah. that, that's that's a guarantee. You're going to see it by the end of the season. 
I mean, there's no way Miller plays that plays out for that whole contract. So it's got to happen eventually, I guess. (laughs) All right. Ending on a ending on the classic Roxy fever note. Um, Anything else uh, that you wanted to cover or get out there before we sign off? Um, sorry, you always catch me off guard whenever. No worries. That. No, it's fine. It's also fine um, if the answer is no. <laughs> I we uh, I'd, I don't know. I'd like to I'd like to find more ways to record so we can capture these amazing days of the Canucks because yes, yeah. Who knows? Who knows how long this lasts? And um, I'd be we should try to convince JD. Yeah, we're we're gonna try to. I'm gonna try to do this more uh, and organize things better. I've been. Um, this is a good good way to close things out. I've just been really um, uh, preoccupied with the band recently, which has been busier and going better than I than I really expected. And um, on that note, April April twentieth, Green Auto. A- April twelfth, actually, but 12th. yes, April twelfth, okay. uh, King Bob <laughs> will be making his. Uh, his Vancouver debut, but, but the more Royal importantly visit. in the short term, uh, our Patreon episode is going to be a day or two late, but for a very good reason, uh, Neil, the artist formerly known as at book of lube currently at, it looks real. will be joining oh, awesome. me on, uh, the Patreon, patreon.com slash Roxy fever yeah. to finally do our definitive ranking of the best NHL EA NHL soundtrack uh, song. Oh, God bless. Thank so you. We for will finally him. be discussing that. <laughs> um, so I apologize for it being late, but it's for a good reason. And I, I, I can't wait to do it. The episode's going to be really good. So um, thanks to everyone for listening. This was a fun one, uh, even in spite of all the scandals. And uh, we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. And if anybody is hiring after, after New Year's, <laughs> Give your boy a shout. Well, we we need it's a dishwasher, Vias. It's <laughs> uh, you know I am looking at the unions. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's a good All time. Right. It's a good time there. So BCGU, not not the worst place. Uh yeah. Uh, instead of uh, instead of hitting us up on Twitter like we used to tell people, hit Vias up on <laughs> LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yep. First name, last name. Good night, uh, everybody. Love it. <laughs>